to lose heart. That when difficult days come, we are to depend upon the mercy of God. We are to keep on doing what God has called us to do. And we are to look to the example of Jesus. Today I want to focus upon the fact that life is uncertain. From the human perspective, the way we look at life, it is uncertain. Not any of us knows what tomorrow will bring, much less next week, next month, or next year. God tells us in James 4.14, you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. All you have is today. In reality, all you have is this moment. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. And even if tomorrow comes, we don't know what it will bring. Maybe you read in the paper this past week of the United Airlines pilot who was on a flight. He never made it to his destination. He had a heart attack and died en route. Life is just that uncertain. And that's why we're called to live by faith and not by sight. We're to believe what Proverbs tells us. The mind of man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. There are times when the events of life almost sweep us off our feet. You feel like your circumstances are controlling you instead of you controlling your circumstances. You feel like a boat that is caught in a storm being tossed here and there by the wind. You feel as though your life has no anchor. There's nothing to hold your life steady, to give you a sense of security or stability. But when you're honest with yourself, that's what you so desperately want. You want something in your life that can give you stability and certainty in all of the instability and the uncertainty of life. You want some anchor for your soul. And if that's where you are this morning, then I have good news for you. Because that's exactly what our text says God has provided for his people. God has provided a hope for us. And that hope serves as an anchor for our souls. We do have something to give us stability, security, and certainty. Even in the midst of all of the instability, lack of security, and uncertainty of life. And that... Security comes from trusting in the sure and certain, solid promises of God. The hope that we have in this book and the one who gives us this book and the promises in it, that is the anchor for our souls. This passage breaks down into three parts. At least I'm going to break it down into three parts. Preachers are inclined to do that, you know, to find three points somewhere in the text three things from this text this morning. First, we see the character of God's promises. And the character of God's promises is that they are absolutely certain. You know, sometimes our word is good and sometimes it isn't. Sometimes people can believe what you say. Sometimes they can't. Sometimes we keep our promises and sometimes we don't. And to make our word appear to be more sure, sometimes we add an oath 
to it or we swear by it. To be honest, most of that today is more swearing than oath-taking. And as you know, I can't repeat most of those from the pulpit. But you know the kind of thing I'm talking about. People swear or curse to try to make their word seem more sure. The Jews in Jesus' day and in Paul's day would do the same thing. Look at verse 16. For men swear by one greater than themselves, and with them an oath given as confirmation is an end of every dispute. To make their word appear to be more sure, they would swear by an oath. They would swear by heaven or by earth or by the temple or by Jerusalem. And they thought by swearing by something greater than themselves, they would affirm or confirm the truthfulness of what they were saying. Now Jesus was opposed to that practice. If you look back in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, You'll find what Jesus had to say about that kind of thing. In verses 34 through 37 of Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said this. Again, I, you have heard the ancients were told you shall make, not make false vows, but fulfill your vows to the Lord. But I say to you, make no oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is the footstool of his feet, or by Jerusalem. For it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you make an oath by your head. For you cannot make one hair white or black. But let your statement be yes, yes or no, no. Anything beyond these is of evil. Why are we to be that way? We're to be that way because God is that way. There is nothing greater by which God could swear anyway. But God's word is true. He has no need to take an oath or to swear to make his word appear to be more true than it is. All that God can swear by is his own character. The veracity of his own word. God's word is so sure you can depend on it. God's word is absolutely certain. You can believe what God says without any doubt or without any question. Now the example in the text is of Abraham. If there was ever anyone who had reason to doubt God's word, it was Abraham, wasn't it? Now God made some incredible promises to Abraham. Promised him a land for his own possession and promised him many descendants. The only problem was in God gave Abraham those promises, Abraham was a nomad. He was a wanderer. He didn't own any land. And not only that, even though he was 75 years old, Abraham had no children. And for 25 years, all Abraham had was the promise. There was no concrete evidence that those promises God had given to him would be kept. And so what did Abraham do? We're told in verse 15 that he waited patiently. 
Abraham waited patiently on the sure and certain promise of God to be kept in his own life. Now there must have been times when Abraham wondered, when Abraham doubted, when all he had was this promise God had given to him. But Abraham was to fight out, able to fight off those doubts and he was able to cling to the promises of God and wait patiently. As the text says, eventually he did receive the fulfillment of the promise. And that's what we must do. We must trust every day in the character of God's promises, the fact that they are certain. And some of you may be going through times in your own life where you're still waiting for the blessing that God has promised to you. You may be in a time in your life where you are in a period of waiting to see what God will do next in providing for you or for your family. You may be waiting for God to open that next door of opportunity for you. And sometimes you're inclined to doubt or to wonder. And the admonition of God's word and the example of Abraham is to cling to the promise of God that he will provide for all of your needs. He will lead you and guide you in the way that he would have you to go. He will take care of you, protect you, defend you all the days of your life. We must be like Abraham and wait patiently for God to keep his word and to fulfill his promise. And so we see the character of God's promises here. They are certain. Second, we're struck by the encouragement of God's promise or the encouragement that God's promises are to us. Really, the one thing that should encourage us more than anything else is the fact that we have these promises God has made. And here the, the, in the text, the writer of Hebrews says there are two distinctive characteristics or attributes of God's promises that should give us great encouragement. One of those is his unchangeable purpose, and the other is his unchangeable oath. He mentions those in verses 17 and 18. The Bible says that God has an unchangeable purpose, which encompasses all of life. The Bible begins where? With the creation of the world. God has created all there is. And we read this morning from the catechism about God's providence. God providentially oversees, directs, and guides the affairs of all that he has made. I referred earlier to a verse in Proverbs that says, The mind of man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Did you catch that? Who is it that ultimately directs your steps? It is the Lord who directs your steps. And he does it according to his purpose and his plan for your good and for his glory. According to what the text calls his unchangeable purpose. Now I know there are a lot of believers who rebel against that. who want to have a sense of personal autonomy. Who want to believe that they are captain of their own ship 
and who are masters of their own fate. Many people rebel against the idea of a sovereign God who has an unchangeable purpose that he's unfolding in their lives every day. But I can't think of anything more encouraging and comforting than that. I personally am glad I'm not the captain of my ship or the master of my destiny. Sometimes you see a bumper sticker on a car. It'll say, God is my co-pilot. I don't want there to be anything co about it. I want God to be the pilot. I want Him to have both hands on the wheel. And I want Him to guide and direct my life where He wants it to be. Because if I have my hand on the wheel, guess what's going to happen? I'm going to steer it according to my selfish desires, according to my lusts, according to the sinful issues in my heart. But when God is controlling and guiding and piloting the ship of your life, you can be confident He's going to take you where ultimately He wants you to go. Ephesians 1.11 talks about that great purpose of God for our lives. And Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 1. We have been we have obtained we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to his purpose who works all things after the counsel of his will Paul says there God works all things according to his purpose and his counsel and so there is this unchangeable purpose of God but Along with that, there's an unchangeable oath that the writer of Hebrews speaks about in our text. Now, there are many people who want, don't want an, an unchangeable purpose, but they want an unchangeable oath. They don't want to believe that God has an eternal purpose in mind, but they somehow want to cling to the fact that God has an eternal promise. But don't you see, you can't separate the two. You can't have one without the other. Because God's purpose confirms His promise. And God's promise is built upon His purpose. There's a very important phrase in the middle of verse 18 where it says, It is impossible for God to lie. Think of it. Look, we live in a world of liars. Just turn on your TV. We're a people who are inclined not to tell the truth. Let's be realized. I'm preaching to a group of liars, and you're listening to one. But the Bible says God cannot lie. It is not in him. And therefore, you can depend upon his unchangeable purpose, 
and his unchangeable promise. Verse 18, 17. In the same way God, desiring even more to show the heirs of the promise the unchangeableness of his purpose, interposed with an oath so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope that is set before us. What is that unchangeable oath? It encompasses the whole scope of what God has revealed to us in his word. That he is indeed the eternal God. That he has called the people to himself. That he has promised to be our God and to allow us to be his people. That even though we are sinners fallen away from him, that if we place our faith and our trust in Jesus, we'll have forgiveness of our sins. And he'll give us the gift of eternal life. That's the promise of God. That's his unchangeable oath. And the text says we get strong encouragement from that. Not just encouragement, strong encouragement from God's unchangeable oath. I can remember going through a very difficult time in my own life. I'm sure that you have gone through them yourself. I wondered what was happening to me and why it was happening to me. And I asked that God that question, why? Why me? Why this? Why now? Ever asked that question before? It was a time in my life where it was very easy to become discouraged. But then I began to remember some things. I began to remember that God has an eternal purpose. That nothing just happens but it happens for a reason. And it happens for a purpose. According to his plan. And I realized that not only does God have a purpose, but he gave a promise. And the promise is that the bad thing I was going through wasn't for bad, it was for good. Because God's promise is that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him. And I began to realize that, you know, this really isn't so bad after all. Because God is going to bring good out of what he has planned to do in my life. Perhaps there are things in your life today that make you feel unsure or uncertain. Perhaps there are some things in your life that you don't understand. Perhaps you... You feel as though you're being swept off your moorings. Perhaps you think there's no purpose in what you're going through. Maybe you think nothing good can come from it. I want you to be encouraged this morning. I want you to get in strong encouragement from what the Bible says about God having an unchangeable purpose and an unchangeable promise or oath. And then in the third place, we see the assurance of God's promise. As I started here, I'm going to finish here. And that is, it's only the character of God and his promise that can give you any sense of confidence or assurance in life. 
Those really are the only two things that are certain in life. God's character and God's promise. Everything else is subject to change. Your circumstances. Your relationships. Your finances. Your occupation. Your health. Everything in life is subject to change. Except the promises of God. Look at what the text calls this hope we have in the promises of God. Verse 19. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul. A hope both sure and steadfast. One which enters within the veil where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us. Having become a high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. We have this hope as an anchor of the soul. Think about that for just a moment. Your hope in the promises of God is the anchor for your soul. Now think about an anchor for a moment. The picture here, of course, is of a ship. And it's caught in a storm. And the winds are howling and it's in danger of of driving that ship out in the middle of the sea. It's in danger of causing that ship to, to break apart and to sink. But that doesn't happen. And it doesn't happen because that that ship is held firm by an anchor. And even though the winds howl around it, and even though it drives it, seeking to, to push it out to be lost, that anchor holds it fast. And that's what the Bible says your hope in the promises of God does to you. It holds you And even though the storms of life come buffeting you, beating around you, howling around you, if you are a believer this morning, you have an anchor that keeps your soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll. Fastened to the rock that cannot move. Steadfast and sure in the Savior's love. And the Bible says that our hope is in Jesus who's gone before us, the text says, prepared the way for us, is a high priest interceding for us according to the order of Melchizedek, that strange figure from the Old Testament. Jesus. Your high priest pleading on behalf of the promises of God for you. Some of you are in the midst of the storm. And the wind's blowing hard. Some of you are in stormy relationships. Some of you are in stormy times economically. Not sure how you're going to pay the bills. Some of you are in storms at work. 
you dread going every day because of the pressures. Some of you are maybe in, in storms at school. You're having conflict with a professor. Your grades aren't what you hoped they would be. Storms come in all phases of life, in all different ways. We can't prevent the storms. They're going to come. But I want you to know this morning that if you trust in Jesus, if you're a believer this morning, you have an anchor. An anchor that will hold you fast no matter how stormy life becomes. We do have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll. Fastened to the rock which cannot move. <coughs> Steadfast and sure in the Savior's love. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the anchor that holds our souls and keeps them. And we pray this morning we would find great encouragement from it. In Jesus' name, amen.